Man, last week, Ashley told this hilarious story about getting on an airplane, and this sweet lady next to him leans over and says, do you know Jesus? It was awesome, because I could just picture in my mind this lady trying to evangelize our senior pastor. It was awesome. You know, I, I've thought about that all week because I really envy her courage. Like, I'm not that bold in, in, in evangelizing. But I do question her methodology. Because I've tried like all those cold call methods at one point or another, usually in my younger life, I tried each of those. So for example, knocking on doors, cold turkey, asking the question, and maybe you had someone, it's usually like Saturday morning between 10 and noon, they come in pairs, and you open the door and they'll say, do you know for sure if you died tonight that you would be in heaven? Uh, yes, go away. Like, I've done that, and I was terrible at it. Just, you know, it, it, was, it was awful. Or maybe you, you've gone into a bathroom stall, and there's like on the door, there's this track there about your spiritual life. I, I've put those there. Like, not recently, but I, I've tried that. It was awful. Like There were no good results from that. Or you know those guys that stand on a street corner like they get a box and they stand on the box and they got a sign that says, the world is ending soon. Turn or burn. I've never done that. <laughs> I, but I respect the courage of those people that are just bold in their faith, but I question their methods. Am I alone in this? Like, I know that I love the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done so much for me. And I know I should be bolder in my words for him, but I just, like, I don't want to be weird. And I don't want to be offensive. And I don't want to look stupid. Am I the only one? What if, what if we could have more boldness without the weirdness of sharing our faith? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Because I've looked at the four main reasons that people don't share their faith. And you probably know what they are. The, the number one reason most people who don't share their faith don't share their faith is because what if they ask me a question and I can't answer the question? Like, I don't want to look stupid. Here's another main reason a lot of people are really hesitant about sharing their faith. What if I don't know that I can explain the gospel? Like, what would I say? How would I explain about baptism or salvation? Here, here's a third question. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to be that guy. Here's the last one. I don't want it to be weird. I don't want to be the guy knocking on your door at Saturday, 10 a.m. I don't want to be the Bible thumper that makes people feel awkward every time I walk into the room. Are you feeling me in this? This is why a lot of Christians don't feel comfortable sharing their faith. Well, what I did, I just, I looked at how Jesus talked about his faith. And it wasn't weird. And it wasn't offensive. And it wasn't awkward. And what I want to suggest is that if we will simply share our faith in God using the four, like, practices of Jesus. These are the best practices of sharing your faith. Just do what Jesus did. It won't be awkward. It won't be weird. You won't look stupid and you won't offend people. Because Jesus, like when they asked him, he didn't, it didn't make him look stupid. He, he wasn't, he like, he never offended anyone. Now I know some of you are going, no, he offended a lot of people. Yeah, they were all religious people. 
But for those that are, that are outside of God, Jesus did not offend outsiders. Some of you are here right now on one of our campuses because someone invited you. And you need to know, this is gonna be fun for you, especially if you're not a, if you're not a Christian yet. This is gonna be fun for you because no pressure. I'm not asking you to do anything. But what you need to know is even the person that invited you, that was hard for them. They took a risk because they knew that maybe you wouldn't take it well. Or maybe it would be awkward or difficult for you. They took a risk because they care about you. So for those of you who did come, thank you for cutting them some slack for not being perfect. It's not ever perfect when we invite people to church. But the reason they did that is because genuinely, our church is a church that cares about people. And we believe that Jesus offers us something that doesn't just get us to heaven, but brings a little bit of heaven to earth. And we want that for you. So here are the four things that Jesus did that like unweirdified sharing their faith. The first one was he asked questions. Instead of worrying about what if someone asked me a question I can't answer, which of course he's Jesus, he could answer the question, but he wasn't worried about answering questions. In fact, let me, let me show you this. This is unbelievable. Through the gospels, Jesus was asked 183 questions. You know how many he answered? This is, this is unbelievable. Three. three. He's asked 183, he answers three. Why? Because for Jesus, answering questions wasn't that important. And honestly, we know this from research. People are not offended if you say, well, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. It's more of a barrier for us because we don't want to look dumb than it is for the person asking the question. Of course there are questions that have no good answers. Everybody knows that. So what Jesus did, instead of answering their questions, he asked questions. Get this. He, he answered three questions. He asked 307 questions through the Gospels. 300, that's one question he asked for every or 100 he asked for every one that he answered. Why? Because Jesus knows that it's more important to listen to other people than it is to talk to other people. This is one concept that this simple concept would change the way you share your faith because your influence will not come from being the smartest guy in the room. Your influence will come from being the best listener in the room. And so we look at some of the questions Jesus asked. At the very beginning of his ministry, he walks 70 miles to go get baptized by John the Baptist. And when John sees him, he like comes on court and goes, look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he tells all his followers, he's pretty popular, like thousands are following John, and he goes, hey, don't follow me, follow that guy. You know how many did? Two. That's it, two. And they were really awkward about it. They're kind of stalking him. And Jesus walking along and this guy's following me. So he turns around and confronts him and says, what are you looking for? In fact, in the original language, it's even more intense. What are you seeking? And I don't know if you've ever been in front of someone and you just like were fanboying and like you just froze. Jesus says, what are you looking for? And they go, uh, uh, where are you staying? 
What a dumb question to ask. Let me, where am I staying? And Jesus says, this is so good. Three words, come and see. Just come and see. Ashley, last week, talked about this come and see. This simple invitation to come and see. That's really all you need to know to talk to your faith about, or talk to other people about your faith. If you just mastered that, Hey, what, 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 are, what about this like Jesus thing? I don't come and see. What, what, the, what is that church like? What the, come and see. Can, can Jesus really make a difference in my life? Hey, come and see. That's all the invitation you need to know. Come and see. Fast forward uh, about two and a half years, and Jesus is taking his apostles, those, that's kind of his main leadership. He takes them out of town. And he took them to a place that they were very uncomfortable. Caesarea Philippi. It was a pagan place, a lot of idols. And they worshiped their idols with nasty, like, orgies, drunkenness. It was bad. And the boys are just like, uh, are we supposed to be here? And Jesus brought them there to ask them the most important question he would ever ask anyone. And he's going to ask everyone here the same question. But before he got to the question, there was a question that led to the question. Here's the question that led to the question. Who do people say that I am? I mean, there's a lot of opinions out there. Who do people say that I am? And, and the boys, they said, well, some people say that uh, you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some people say that you're Elijah or Jeremiah. And then Jesus turned the corner and he goes, okay, okay, I get, I've heard all that. Who do you say that I am? In a moment of uncharacteristic brilliance, the apostle Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I want to read to you Jesus' response. It's really kind of humorous. He said, blessed are you, Simon. That was his birth name, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is such an important question that if you get the answer right, it will not just change your trajectory, it will change your identity. Peter's name changed when he named Jesus as the Christ. And that's really what we're after with people. When we share about Jesus, we want their identity to be able to change and their trajectory to be able to change. It looks like, well, Anthony, he was a kid that, uh, <laughs> to be honest, he's pretty squirrely. I think the biblical term for him would not, would not be evil. He wasn't evil, but when he was early in high school, he, he was <laughs> a foolish. That's what the Bible would say. He's out smoking pot and skipping school and just doing stupid stuff that you expect a sophomore boy to do. Part of it was that when he was a sophomore, his dad died. So he didn't have the positive male influence that he needed to make wise decisions. And one of his friends just said, Anthony, why don't you come to church with me? Just come and see what God can do in your life. And so Anthony did. And he loved it. He loved the youth group. He loved the other students. He loved the groups that he were in. But what he loved the most was that our student ministry gave him the opportunity to be surrounded by wise men. And he just jumped on that. 
He asked several of our pastors, our student pastors, uh, several of the uh, adult male volunteer coaches. He said, would you mentor me? Would you mentor me? And he soaked it up and he did what they said and his life was changed. He graduated just this past year and he's taking a gap year right now He's on what's called the World Tour. It's a mission organization that gathers students that are fresh out of high school and about 30, 40 students get together on a team and they go to six different countries around the world and they serve the poorest of the poor and they talk about Jesus to people who need him most. That's what he's doing right now. Your life can change. The the person that invited you, they want your life to change for the better. And all of us have people in our lives that if they just knew about Jesus, what a change Jesus could make in their life. And so I'm wondering if there's some questions that you might be comfortable asking. Don't worry about the questions that you can't answer. Worry about questions that your friend can answer. Can you see yourself asking this kind of a question? Why do you think Jesus made such an impact How they answer that question could change their trajectory. They could actually hear themselves bragging about Jesus before they ever believe in him. Or maybe you could see yourself asking this question. If you were to look for a church, I mean, not that you're looking for a church, but if you were to look for a church, what kind of a church would you look for? This is an amazing question because I've asked this of of people who don't go to church, they're they're, they're opposed to church, they don't want to, but, but, but they have an opinion about church. And when they describe church to me, I'm going, you know what, I actually go to a church like that. And they're going, are you serious? And what do I say? What are three words? What do I say? Come and see. It's just that simple. Here's a question, like all of you could ask this question when you go to work on Monday morning. It's not even intimidating. What did you do this weekend? Like you probably asked that, right? And people will say, you know, I did this, and we went out, and we had, you know, we went to dinner or went dancing, whatever they did. And invariably, they turn and ask you, what did you do this weekend? Here's what I would ask you not to say. Well, I went to church, and you need to go because your life is really screwed up right now. <laughs> probably not the direction we want to head. Here's the suggestion. You could say, and I I love when people do this, and a lot of you actually do. You take one thing from the sermon that weekend. And and when we preach from scriptures, this doesn't just make our eternity better, it actually makes our lives better now. So there's a lot of wisdom here. So for example, for this weekend, you could say, you know, I heard a a talk this weekend. Don't call it a sermon, it's a talk. I, I heard a talk this weekend. And the guy was saying that, we are actually more influenced or more influential by how we listen than by what we say. And I think I'm gonna try that at work this week. You wanna hold me accountable? I guarantee you, they'll ask, well, where did you hear that? And you could say, come and see. It doesn't have to be complicated. We're just providing people an on-ramp into the life that they already want. When we ask questions that they can answer, it leads them to a position where they can receive an openness to Jesus. Another thing that really makes us nervous about sharing our faith is, I 
don't know that I could explain the gospel all that well. Like, I, I don't wanna look stupid. Okay, so don't explain the gospel. Leave that up to starting point or to me or Ashley. Like, let us do the heavy lifting with theology. Here's what you need to share. Share your story. And if you look at the life of Jesus, yeah, he preached, he did. He wasn't afraid of theology or deep questions. But a lot of his talk time was just telling stories. And the people loved his stories. Because everybody loves a good story, right? His stories, technical term, is called parables. And he wasn't the only one that told parables. Like a lot of the other rabbis told parables as well. And they had the same format, the same metaphors. Like if it was in our day, it would say like once upon a time and they lived happily ever after. There was a form for their parables. Jesus followed the same form, but he did something that blew them away. See, all the other rabbinic parables, and we've got like 2,000 of them, they all like support standard wisdom. It's kind of like bedtime stories for children. You tell them about Hansel and Gretel. Why? To inform them of stranger danger. You, you tell them about the, the, the three little pigs. Why? Because you want to tell them to work hard. Our bedtime stories support standard wisdom. Jesus didn't. His blue blew their cultural wisdom apart. He turned the, the world upside down through his stories. And what I find is that your story has the ability to turn someone's world upside down. I, I, I've shared this before, but my family, most of my family members are not just unchurched, they're anti-church. And we've had these discussions, like the big questions and they always have an answer, an excuse, a criticism for all of the philosophic debates that we've had. But when my uncle came to Christ, they didn't know what to do with that. See, my uncle, he's married to my favorite aunt. I love Sharon, she's a godly woman. He was not a godly man. In fact, he was a wicked man. His words, not mine. He was uh, a drunkard. He would uh, get in fights in bars all the time. He was a drug dealer, a long-haul trucker, so he could transport these drugs all over the place. He, was, he, 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 he wasn't engaged in his children's life, and we learned later, we had some suspicions, we learned later that he was beating my aunt. And when he, Jesus got a hold of him, instead of getting filled with alcohol, he was filled with the Spirit. In, instead of... Instead of neglecting his children, he reconciled with all of his children. Instead of being a, a brawler, he became an evangelist. And no, like nobody knew what to do with my uncle because it's like, that cannot be the same man. In fact, if you look at pictures of him, he doesn't even look the same because his countenance was even changed. Jesus didn't just change his trajectory, he changed his identity. And I was so entertained listening to my non-Christian family members try to explain what happened. They were just befuddled. They have no answer. If you're worried about what to say, then tell your story because that is the only unassailable argument you have. Look, we'll help with the theology. We'll help with explaining salvation. But we need you to, to tell people what only you can tell them, and that is your personal story. And I want to make it super easy. 
So if you're using the app right now, you've probably already seen the link that says share your story. If you click on that link, it will help you craft your story in the simplest way. Like this is not rocket science. Three parts of your story, three minute story, three parts. Here we go. The first 30 seconds, I once was. And just talk about how life used to be before you were a follower of Christ. Second part of the story, again, 30 seconds, but Jesus. How did you learn about Jesus? Who brought you to church? How did you find faith? And then the rest of the story, two minutes, is and now. Look at how my life is different now. Not perfect, but so much better because I found Jesus. And if you're watching online just investigating, you've not yet committed your life to Christ, or maybe you're on one of our campuses and a friend brought you, just know you have a story out there that's worth telling. And there's another chapter that's after but Christ. I want you to find that chapter in your story. So I, I understand why it's hard to share your faith. You don't want to look stupid. You don't know what to say, but you already know your story. You can tell your own story. But there's also this issue of, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to open up a can of worms for somebody and get in a fight. Like if you're dating someone, I don't know how they'll respond. Or maybe you've got a friend and I don't, want to, I don't want to damage our relationship. Here's Jesus' secret sauce for not being offensive. You ready? Meet a need. There were people all the time that came to him with needs. There was one time a leper ran up to him. The leprosy was a nasty skin disease and very contagious. So they were supposed to keep their distance. But this guy wanted help so bad, he runs up to Jesus. And everyone, he should have been there. Everyone in the crowd leans back. And Jesus leans forward and he touches him. And when people bring a problem, are you leaning back or are you leaning forward? Because if you meet a need, you have earned the right to brag about Jesus. And there are some people who bring you needs, maybe somebody who needs to borrow a car or somebody may need to borrow some money. Maybe they have something that's broken and they need you to help fix it in their house. There's a lot of different needs that come your way. But sometimes it's not the needs that come to you, but the needs that you go to. A lot of the needs that Jesus met were when he would cross the street, so to speak. He, he, he knew that there was this pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda, and a lot of sick people came to Bethesda to try to get healed. And Jesus went to the pool, and he's looking around, and he goes, that guy right there. And he walks up to him, he'd been lame all his life, and Jesus healed him. And you may not be able to physically heal someone, but I bet you you could bring some healing into people's lives. You look across the street, like literally in your neighborhood, there's a moving van, but they're only moving half the family. There's a need. You can cross the street and meet the need. Or, or maybe there's another moving van up the street for a house that's been for sale, and you know they've just moved in from out of state. Everybody who moves anywhere, they need to know, like, Where's the vet? Where's, is there a good vet around? Is like where do I where do I shop for certain specialty items? Or maybe like everyone needs a barber. Well, not everyone needs a barber. But. <laughs> you could be so helpful. You could shortcut 
their transition by saying, hey, I, I'm your new neighbor. I know when you move, it's kind of difficult finding all these things. I just let you, you know, here's a physician that I like or here's a, a, a school that I like. Here's a, a, a shopping area that I like. It would be so helpful. And you could simply say, I, I don't know if you come from a place where you went to church or maybe you're interested. We, we have a church that we, we love it. We love it. And the, the three words, what are they? Come and see. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. The last thing that throws us off, I think, is um, we, we don't want things to be uh, really weird. If you don't want it to be awkward, you can, you can meet a need. But if you don't want it to be weird, here's a, here's a secret sauce of Jesus to make it, to unweirdify it. Yes, I did just make up that word. Share a meal. In the Gospels, we have 15 meals recorded of Jesus. He ate, well, about as much as you do, basically. And, but he ate with specific people. And sometimes he would eat with friends like Mary and Martha. They were good friends. And they said, hey, Jesus, I know you're coming through town. Please come over to our house. We want to do a banquet with you. And so he would share a meal with friends. There were also, and I love this, there were some people that he didn't respond to their invitations. He invited himself to their house and said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. He only did that with outsiders who would never ask because they were certain that a rabbi like him would never pay any attention to a sinner like them. But he did, and it blew him away. Jesus would say, hey, uh, Matthew, tax collector, I'm gonna to come to your house today. That is a great party. Zacchaeus, another tax collector, I'm gonna to come to your house. And people that never expected to have a window into Jesus had an open door. Meals are amazing because we all have to eat. And there's something about putting a table between you and someone else that allows you to engage with them. You earn the right to have deep conversations simply by sharing a meal. So here's some ideas I've got. If you, you're going out to eat with some people at work, here's a great question that will set the stage for a spiritual conversation. And it's super simple. Tell me your story. Like, where do you come from? What were your major influences? What, what vision or dreams do you have? That's a great question. Because remember, your power, your influence is more in how you listen than in what you say. That's a great conversation starter with people at work. Here's a conversation starter if you have friends that you go out to eat with, or maybe they come over to your house. Now, this is weird. Okay, it's going to be weird. It's the only weird thing I'm going to say. But it's not weird in a bad way. It's weird in a, like, no one's ever done that for me kind of way. You ready? <laughs> it's weird. If someone comes to your house, or maybe you go out to eat, before you have the meal, you might simply say, you know, as a family, we typically pray over our meal. And I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or weird. Are you okay if we pray for the meal? If you're not, we won't. But if you are, we will. Oh, they're going to say, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then you ask this question, is there anything you would like us to pray for you about? Now, that's weird. I'll admit it, this is a little bit weird. But here's why it's weird. No one's ever done that for them before. Even if they don't believe in God, if they hear you talking to the God you believe in 
about them by name. That'll blow them away. And it'll open an opportunity for them to consider what it could look like for them to have a relationship with that God. Last weekend, we opened our central Scottsdale campus. Congratulations, guys. It looked awesome. And I was, I was over there, and this, uh, this lady came up to me. She had been part of the church that previously met there. She goes, oh, man, you guys have done such a good job, and it looked it look so sharp. Our team really off the charts good. And there was a parking lot was full, and so she was super excited, and she wanted a drink. And they had set up this like area where you could go get a drink. And it wasn't just water, it was like, there were sodas and energy drinks and things. And she goes, Is it, could I get a drink? I said, yeah, let me, let me go get you one. So we walked over together and I said, you want sparkling or, or still? And she's like, you guys thought of everything. She was so blown away and I said, well, you haven't seen anything yet. In a few weeks, like very soon, we're gonna have full food service here. She goes, what? I said, yeah, here's our strategy we don't want you to come to an hour service. Like a service in the room is gonna be an hour. But we want you to come for two hours. So there's an hour in the room and an hour in the lobby or an hour outside so that you can bring your friend to a meal at the church. And her eyes got really big and she goes, I got a Jewish friend, he would love that. (laughs) You've got a friend that would love that too. So don't just invite someone to go out to eat. You could invite them, hey, come and see. I'll buy your meal. Come and see. Come and sit with our family and enjoy a day together having deep and meaningful conversations. Our challenge to you, and I've been praying about this, I, I, I am praying that there are 35,000 invitations from this one message for our Christmas services. It's so easy. And the, the reason we, we want to focus on a Christmas invite is because we know that that's the easiest invite of the year. Families are looking for Christmas events to come to. And they, they would love to be invited to a place like this. I promise you, our team is working overtime to make sure this is a fantastic family experience. And so I want you to pray about who you're going to invite for Christmas. At the doors on every campus, there's going to be these invite cards, and you can just pick some up. And here's why it is so important. Every week at CCV, we have a meal together. Now, some of you have two meals. One is like an actual real meal at, at the grill, but we always have this meal. It's a symbolic meal. A little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. This is the meal that Jesus invited us to. And he said before he left, I will not not eat this meal again with you until I eat it with you in my Father's kingdom. First thing we're going to do when Jesus comes back is have a meal. The final and full Passover meal. And we're gonna celebrate that together in just a minute. Hold on to the elements. We're gonna do it together. But before we do, I wanna invite you to ask God who you should invite. Because there's an empty seat at the table. 
There's a name on this seat, a name that I don't know, I can't invite, but you know, and they know you. They would love to be a part of what Jesus is doing. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take about two minutes, and while you're praying, the Holy Spirit's gonna put a name on your heart. And on the screen will be a QR code. Just pull out your phone, take a picture of that QR code, and that will allow you to post the name, not the last name, we just want the first name. Like we're not big brother in anybody here. But we wanna create a memorial wall. Like in DC, they have these walls of names of people who died in battle. These people aren't dead, but they're in a battle. And I want you to post their names so that we can celebrate together thousands and thousands and thousands of invites for people to come to the table. Why don't you pray about that? Post their names, and then we'll share this meal together. night Jesus died, he celebrated a meal with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it in their presence. He said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the covenant of my blood poured out for you. Holy Father, they're, they're empty seats at your table and it, it's breaking your heart. 
They're people who would love a seat at the table. And we know their names. You know their names. I pray that every person hearing my voice would be prompted by your spirit to send an invite, whether it's at a water cooler at work or a neighbor in their neighborhood, a family member, they would invite to this Christmas service where we will honor and praise and celebrate your birth. Give us boldness, Lord, to follow your ways of speaking about faith that will bring salvation to the nations. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's go make Jesus famous.